Hello, and welcome to the michaelcrane.live podcast. The podcast is about entrepreneurship and tips for staying highly motivated to make a positive change in your life. Keep listening and follow the podcast to stay connected with the community at michaelcrane.live. So get comfy and enjoy today's conversation. Lisa had a dream to revolutionize the market and create a sustainable business that would protect our planet. At a young age, she won a scholarship to attend a private school. But when it came to buying a laptop, she opted for a second-hand device. Unfortunately, the device only lasted three months. And this sparked an idea in Lisa's mind. Why not create a register for used products to prevent devices from going to far away places like India or to the nearest landfill? Today, Lisa is competing for the Green Alley Award and needs your vote. By sharing her story, she hopes to revolutionize the market and create a sustainable business that protects our planet. Tune in to hear her story and join her mission to fight climate change together. We can make a difference. Hello, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the show today to share your story into business. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Tell me about your life growing up as a child. One of six children. I grew up in a very busy household. Um, I grew up in Northern Ireland. And when I was growing up as one of six kids, I was the second oldest. And with a lot of siblings coming after you, you find that you had a very resourceful mother who often would have it would have been a no-brainer that we all got handy-downs. We went to car boot sales, charity shops. Um, you know, we made think we made ends meet, but it was a very happy childhood at the same time. When you say you met you made ends meet, you didn't have much money. So did that inspire you to start your business? Or where did that passion come from? So my mum, she was because of all my brothers and sisters, she was at a home and my dad went and he worked in the factories um he would have been working very very long hours and doing extra jobs on farms and with us all being at one time at the house we did go without and one of the things that we did go without were the likes of laptops game consoles um new phones we find that we didn't necessarily need them, but over the years, it did progress that, you know, a lot of our own, our friends and family friends, sons and daughters would have had these things. So my mum, she, one year, she saved up to buy a games console for us and she bought it from a family friend. It was a secondhand PS1. And that's whenever my, I had my first brush with used tech. So it only lasted about six months before it was buffering and not working at all. And we then went without game consoles. But then I then became more aware of the making ends meet and going without technology products, because when it came to education, I was very studious. Um, I was one of the most studious people in the house. 
and I was always aspiring to go to university and I find that when my school made it a requirement to type up essays and coursework I didn't have a laptop and I found myself going to the public library at the weekend staying after school for the one hour that the library was open for just to type up essays and coursework that I'd handwritten and I didn't have a laptop until I was 21. You know, this was like 2012 and I was still going to internet cafes and things like that to actually access a computer. So this inspired me to, I guess when I was a bit older and I had the choice to buy a used smartphone, it was only a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, when I was younger, I didn't go for used laptops again after what happened or used consoles. But I then had a choice to take the risk of, okay, I'll buy a used smartphone because it's a sustainable option. And this is where I was sparked with the idea with, if there was a digital service record that authenticated where this product came from, the condition and the service history of it, it would be a much more certain and trustworthy option to go down most people when they make ends meet obviously they do without an awful lot and that inspires you to have more yes so I've always been very driven by what I would call a very resourceful childhood and student years whilst I was at unit whilst I was at school and university and it's always given me that motivation to want more um I wouldn't say in, it's always inspired me to work hard because I wouldn't say I'm a naturally smart person. I believe that you, if you work hard and you're consistent with your studies and your work that you will achieve greatness. So I guess that's been the push behind wanting to be successful is that I've came from a resourceful background and I've wanted to push myself to be the first person in my family to go to university. Um, I was very fortunate that I got a scholarship to go to a grammar school when I was younger. And I was one out of six kids that went to this school. And this school was pushing people down the conventional route of being a doctor, a dentist, a vet, lawyer, working in business. But there was no push for entrepreneurship. Whereas as I was pushing myself down the school's traditional route of getting everyone to go to university, I then made it my focus to get into Queen's University Belfast. And it wasn't until I got to Queen's University Belfast that they opened my eyes to entrepreneurship. So all of these frustrations and problems around being technology excluded from trust and use laptops or trust and use smartphones, they made me realize that the problems that you face on a day-to-day basis, you could come up with a solution. And if enough people buy into that solution and believe in what you're doing, you could potentially solve the problem yourself. So it made me think of myself that I could be a potential change maker. That's why I think it's pushed me to look at entrepreneurship as a career option in my life. So let me ask you, why, why why not a nine to five job? So I, after I left, when, whilst I was at university, I was involved in a lot of entrepreneurial programs outside my normal studies. 
Um, I had a couple of startup ideas. I entered a few competitions. But once I actually came to graduating, I had to go into the normal nine to five workshop in order to build my network and to actually have an earning that could pay my bills. I was unfortunately not in the position to start a business straight after finishing university. But I was very aligned to wanting to work in jobs where I would be exposed to entrepreneurs and business people. So I was very lucky that my first job was at OCO Global. And in that job, I worked firsthand with entrepreneurs based in Europe, Middle East and Africa who wanted to move to the UK to expand their business. And that was excellent exposure for me because I had firsthand exposure to entrepreneurs who were growing and expanding their business to the UK. And OCO, um, their CEO, Mark O'Connell, was a very good entrepreneur himself. You know, he started from scratch. And I see his business today as being one of those companies that could one day challenge the likes of PwC and EY um, in terms of being one of the biggest consultancy businesses in the UK. Um, so that was a, that was a very good start to my career. And then I then moved over to London and Partners. Again, I was working with entrepreneurs seeking to set up in London. And then more recently, I've been working in Innovate UK Edge, which is very hands-on practical support, supporting innovative entrepreneurs in London. So everything's sort of alluded and has been always very aligned to entrepreneurship, but I've always been on the consultant side or the advisory side of things. But it's taken a while to build up my network and flesh out my business proposition to then now take the leap into entrepreneurship myself. So I started my career in 2000, 2016. So a good, yeah, a good seven years ago. And now I'm at a stage now where, okay, I can't move up any further. If I move up further in my career, I lose touch with entrepreneurships or the entrepreneurs that give me life. They give me motivation to get up in the morning to support these entrepreneurs now I feel like the next next natural step for me is to actually build my own business. And I've always worked with clean tech, sustainable entrepreneurs, and they've been one of the biggest inspirations for me. And the main inspiration for my business idea today was sparked when I had the choice to buy a used smartphone. So even though when I was younger, I didn't have the option of buying a used smartphone or laptop because I couldn't afford to buy new, so I went without. This time, a few years ago, I had the choice to buy a used smartphone, and that's whenever I thought, you know what, if it goes knackered after a couple of months, at least I can afford to buy new. And that's the that's where I got the idea from. So there was me bringing my fiance and we both met with the seller of this 400 pound smartphone that he'd had for six months. He brought his friend. He was there convincing me that it was really good condition. He'd only had it for six months. It was a really good phone. He was literally there, um, bells and whistles, trying to convince me that he was a trustworthy seller. I was there on the other hand, really nervous about giving away this amount of money for a phone that I was taking on his word. 
and it was after that I went back and I was like can you just imagine if I had had a third party certificate that just said were the provenance of the phone the condition and the, and the service history attached to it and that it was almost like a certificate of a certificate of provenance that could have made that transaction much easier I then set about market research and I found that over 65% of people don't buy used smartphones or laptops because they don't trust the condition. But more interesting, I find out that over 85% of people, over 85% of people don't trust where the product has come from. They think it's counterfeit. They think it may have parts that may be a bit dodgy, um, you know, replacement parts that may not be good quality. They also think it could have been stolen as well. And it was quite interesting because whilst I was doing my market research around this idea, my partner's phone was stolen and he discovered that it was being sold in a repair shop in Bedford. So I like this completely summarizes. If you'd had a certificate where the buyer can check the authentication and even the person in the repair shop can see if there's been a claim made, and you can fact check it against the certificate of provenance, that situation could have been avoided. So you've got the, basically the problem that we're solving initially is proving the provenance of used smartphones and other electronic and electrical products that don't normally have the trust that consumers need on the marketplaces. So tell me how you went about setting up your business. I One of the things I did, which was great, starting out was I found a business competition. It was the Young Innovator Award and I downloaded the application and I bulked out my idea based on this application. And I then used this application as a motivator with the deadline to gather market research, to come up with, bulk out the business idea in more detail, understand what my needs were in terms of support. I wasn't successful with this Young Innovator Award competition, but I received really good feedback from the assessors. So the Young Innovator Award is a competition that is for young people between 18 to 30 that have a business idea. And if with the award, they get £5,000 as well as 12 months of business support. And they also get a living allowance as well. So if you're in a full-time job or you've just graduated, there's a small living allowance that, that supports you with your journey. So I didn't get it the first time, but I was like, to be honest, that was a worthwhile exercise to actually start my business. I then registered the company a couple of months later and secured the domain name because I realized that in order to apply for a lot of things, you needed to have a company's house record. And a lot of people look at your website as a default. So I put up a scrappy Wix website, which was which was what I thought was good at the time. It was very bootstrapped, but I just established a little bit of a presence, got the company registered and just left it at that. The following year, last year, I then applied for the Young Innovator Award again. And I I, I secured the award this time round, which was- Congratulations. Um, yeah, it was it was a massive validation. I wasn't going to apply for it again, but I thought, you know what, this is the last year I can apply for this. I'd seen so many young innovators, you know, particularly in their 20s and late 30s, no, 20s and late 20s go for it. And they 
achieved a lot of progress with this award. So it wasn't just about the money, but it was the mentor that was assigned to you to work with you alongside for 12 months. That's why I went for it again. And so far, it's been a really great program. And it just feels like I'm going from strength to strength with the program as well. Good. Well done. Tell me, uh, what's the name of your company? The name is Tazar. So it's a hybrid word, quite a unique name. And it's a hybrid word, which is technology market. And it was inspired by my travels in India and Morocco, where we visited a lot of bazaars. And one of the marketplaces that inspired me to actually look more at the damage and effects of electronic waste was in India. So in India, we visited one of the largest electronic and electrical wholesale markets in New Delhi. It was about two hectares large. And whilst I was there, I was really shocked by the amount of people on the side of the roads picking apart electronic and electrical products to get the valuable components and materials. So that's what that's was something that stayed with me for a long time. That was in 2016. And shortly after, I know I talked about my career at OCO in London and Partners, but I had a three-month stint in a call center selling phones. So this is straight after I had went to India and seen the effects of electronic waste. I was then in a position where I was pushing new phones and devices to customers. So I was, I was, to be honest, I turned into a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> um, I started to ask customers on the phone, is your, does your battery performance, um, is your battery performance okay? Have you got enough memory on your phone? Do you like the camera? And then they say, yes, yes, yes. So instead of pushing a new phone to them, I'd put them onto SIM only. <laughs> so I was still reaching my targets, but I'd always ask them these sustainability focused questions to see if they actually needed a new device. And I would put it in their favor that instead of convincing them to get the latest model, I would say, wait 12 months, go on a SIM only plan. You can do it for like eight pound a month. You can save money and maybe put more money down to save money in the long run for a new phone. So they often bought into that. And I sort of feel like I helped a little bit to convince people to keep their phone a bit longer. And it's quite interesting in recent times that SIM only's is now a very popular choice. Um, and the likes of Vodafone and O2 are actually promoting some only plans because people can't afford to buy new as much as they used to, especially in these times. How many people you spoke to do you think you went, uh, you were able to persuade to stay with their old phone and go SIM only compared to those who just said, no, bin it, I want a new phone. Um, I, I want a new gadget. Yeah, well... I was doing about 24 calls a day. Um, I really enjoy sales. So I did enjoy, you know, hit my targets and everything. But I'd say it was about a third of customers a day where I was motivated by making sure that they went SIM only. But I was also motivated with making a sale as well. <laughs> so um, I guess it's, that's the more cynical side of it. But there would be about a third I would convince to go SIM only. Because some of them who came on the phone, I would tell them, 
go similarly and keep your phone for another 12 months if it's in good condition. And then some other people would have wanted a new phone because they were giving their old phone to a son or a daughter. So that's where I was like, oh, well, fair enough. But I did um, I did promote SIM only when I could have promoted a new phone outright. What's the vision for your business as it is today? So we, in terms of Tazar, we're starting with certifying the provenance of electronics and electricals from finished product to end of life. So we're working with electronic and electrical manufacturers to issue proof of provenance certificates to their consumers and end users. But our our big vision is not just to cover electrics, electronics and electricals. We want this to cover all products in the marketplace. So it could be anything from mattresses to um, mattresses to cars to bicycles. We want this to be the digital product record that is applied to all products and boosting the circular economy for all products in the marketplace. It's been quite interesting because recently we've received inquiries from a mattress company where they're saying, we're interested in how your technology can apply to our mattresses. Because as you know, mattresses are really, no, they don't tend to buy old mattresses. It's one of those, it's like buying used socks. Like you just don't buy a used mattress. So they're looking to see how our technology can help boost the circular economy for their mattresses. So it's not just going, yeah. (laughs) I know I see a lot of people dumping mattresses on the side of the road. So they do need a register. You're right. They do because a lot of mattresses end up in landfill and we want to trace products from start of life to end of life to support with boost and resale um, with repair recycling and remanufacture so we want to be a circular economy enabler using technology for good which helps to trace these products from beginning of life to end of life and eventually we don't see ourselves as a big brand we want to see ourselves as being everywhere but without people necessarily knowing that we're helping with boosting the circular economy so similar to stripe for payments anytime you're on an e-commerce platform you're using stripe technology this is what we want for Tazar. We want to be, we want to provide traceability software and proof of origin without people necessarily knowing that it's Tazar. It could be white labeled by the brand, say it's a certificate of provenance from Samsung or a certificate of provenance from Wilson Vanish, but we're providing that technology that binds it all together. As we bring the uh, podcast show to an end today, Lisa, tell us about the Green Alley Award and why you should win. Great. Well, the Green Alley Award is one of Europe's leading circular economy startup competitions. It was set up by Lambel Group, which is one of the biggest um, electronic recyclers in Europe. And it is an award that recognizes innovators that are offering pragmatic, simple solutions to boost the circular economy. And if we won, if we won this Green Alley Award, it would mean a lot for us in terms of exposure. So it would also give us a lot of credibility. And with your vote, if you voted for us, it would give us a higher chance of getting onto the stage in Berlin in front of hundreds of people in the audience, sharing our vision around boosting the circular economy for products, in particular at this moment in time, electronics and electricals. And 
it would give us a big advantage in terms of exposure and awareness of what we're doing. How can people vote for you? So you need to go on to the Green Alley Award website and on the website you'll see vote and you'll see Tazar listed as one of the candidates for the finals. So all you have to do is have your email address that's easily easily accessible, vote, verify that you have voted for us. It's quite good in terms of you can't vote more than once. It will recognize your IP. So Tazar, the spelling of Tazar is like a bazaar, but because it's tech, take the B out and change it with a T and you get Tazai, right? That's right. <laughs> so are there any lasting thoughts you want to share to any aspiring entrepreneurs who are thinking, is business right for you? One of the things I didn't do well at the very beginning was share my idea with my support network as much as I should have. Um, So if you have an idea and you're spending a lot of time putting together business plans, the pitch deck, looking at what the opportunity could be, the fastest way that you can validate your idea and see whether or not it's worth pursuing is to go out and speak to people. Um, Entrepreneurship isn't all about just having an idea. It's about execution and getting things done. So where I'm at at the moment, there are competitors. Um, we're not truly unique in what we're doing. There are people that are tracing clothes, for example, diamonds. You know, there's traceability so- software for different categories of goods. And the thing that aspiring entrepreneurs can do is just go out there and start speaking to people, go to networking events, speak to your potential customers. You will face rejection and people who will brush away your idea and thoughts. But sometimes I find that most motivating people have been people who've been a bit discerning around my idea or they've tried to like say there's no market for this. I'm like, no, there is. I've, I myself knows that there's other people in my position that if there was more trustworthy tech on the market, I would have benefited from I use laptop or I use smartphone much earlier in my life. So I know that there's a market. It's just around getting it done and speaking to as many people as possible. And that brings our podcast show to a really nice conclusion today. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. You're very welcome. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have a business story to share, please reach out and contact us on michael at michaelcrane.live. To hear more stories from entrepreneurs and business leaders, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Spotify so you never miss an episode. We look forward to having you back for our next podcast show. Thank you. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.